Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I want to add my thanks um, to Andrews for all our volunteers. You are just incredible. And uh, volunteers seems like such a... um, like it's such a kind of normal term out in the world today. Like I feel like you volunteer for the SES, but you serve Jesus in the church. And so I just thank you because I know that um, all of you, um, like when you're going well, <laughs> are serving because you love Jesus. At times you're just really frustrated, but that's okay as well. Um, okay, let's pray because we're going to continue on in Genesis. So Heavenly Father, I pray for your word to go out today and enlighten our hearts, enlighten our understanding, I pray. I pray that we would um, understand you better, understand ourselves better, and understand how we can live our lives for you in a greater way that brings glory to your name, that brings good to other people, and extends your kingdom and brings it to here on earth as it is in heaven, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, Well, uh, we've been in the book of Genesis, if you haven't been here in the chapel service. And we're actually, like in the chapel service, we usually do something where we go quite line by line. But we would be here until 2024 uh, if we did that. So we're just covering the big ideas in Genesis and just kind of giving that broad overview. Um, So if we think about this, uh, if we, um, Nay could put the first slide up with the pictures. Um, We've talked about creation and how there was chaos, that in the ancient world, water was a symbol of chaos. And that different cultures had their origin stories of this huge battle being done between the monster of the deep and, and, and winning out over that. Whereas the Christian origin, the Judeo-Christian origin story comes along and says, well, our God just spoke and order came. Then it didn't need to be a big battle. God just spoke. He spoke the word and there was order. And, and in that we saw, you know, the garden and creation and all this different order. And we also saw, which I think is so beautiful of our God, rest as part of that order. That he would say rest is absolutely necessary to that. Uh, then we looked at the fact that he gave instruction and, and humanity chose to disobey that instruction. He pronounced consequence on humanity for that. And, uh, and quickly we read, the very next chapter, that humanity begins to descend back into chaos. Uh, there's the first murder, um, these guys. You should have seen the, the, the pictures I had to go through to get a PG one for the chapel. I'm telling you, those Renaissance artists, they did not hold back in what they were decided to display. And, uh, and so... Um, Cain and Abel, there was murder and then there was chaos and then chaos kind of reigned on the earth again. Uh, Humanity left to its own devices um, will inevitably descend into chaos. It is only, I believe, the presence of God that keeps things held together. And, uh, and so you might look around the world and go, well, there's so much chaos, bro. And I'd say, yeah, absolutely, because we've decided to go our own way. Um, and imagine if God took his hand off completely. I think, it, I just don't think... I don't think we could live here. Um, And so uh, then we obviously looked at that then uh, the flood, um, you know, that symbol of chaos again, waters covering the earth. So chaos kind of absorbed the chaos that humanity had created. And we looked at last week when we had communion together, the fact that God put his bow in the earth, his rainbow. uh, But as you look, I love this um, depiction of it, that he said that, well, now judgment will be upon himself. Um, looking forward to a time when Jesus would take the punishment of humanity. He said, you know, the world has been punished for the chaos that it's created. From here, um, I will bear the punishment in myself. And then last week, Andrew talked so brilliantly, or the week before, about um, the Tower of Babel. And here we are today. 
And we have the call of Abraham. So let's go to Abraham. No, that's not a book of the Bible. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. It says this, The Lord had said to Abraham, Leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. You will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Now, today we're touching on the big ideas in chapter 12, 13, 14, and 15, but I just want to camp here for a moment because this is an amazing um, passage. Out of this passage comes the um, two-thirds of civilization faiths that have existed. So you've got the Judeo faith, the Jewish faith. It comes from here. Now, obviously, because of us... um, being adopted into that you've got the christian faith but you've also got the islam faith from here from this passage that's the origin of all of those faiths and so obviously we've got the origin story of humanity before that but the origin of the faith is in this these verses right here it all starts it obviously branches from there but it all starts there now i just really want to touch on a few things here because um i read a commentary this week that It just really captured my attention. And what the guy talked about was that so many of the misfortunes of people, we fail to attribute them to the human will or uh, to our own personal responsibility. Would you look around you today and go, yeah, there's very little personal responsibility being taken. Would anyone feel that that's the case? Yeah, great. Okay, cool. (laughs) It was like that pause before the concurrence and I was getting worried. Um, So in the past, obviously, people have blamed the stars, the furies, the fates, the gods. And they've said that's all to blame for what we're currently encountering. Um, But today, we blame our parents, our environment, our genes, um, the authority above us, the educational system, the media, the government. That's what we're blaming now. And, uh, and so this, this um, commentator made the point that, that we show empathy, which is great, we should show empathy, and we show support, which is great, we should show support, and then we avoid criticism when someone's feeling like a victim, and, and, and you know, to a degree, yes, we should be sensitive there, but what we can do is actually lock them in a prison that we're meant to help them walk out of. We're meant to help them walk into freedom, but because that person's feeling like a victim, we just want to mollycoddle them, we want to help them, and we'll often leave them there rather than helping them make the choices that they need to take or choose to move on. So there's three Jews that, um, that decided to throw away they, their Jewish faith and become atheists. But in order to do so, they had to come up with different systems of belief. So one of those is Marx, and he believed that social factors were to blame for humanity's problems. It's really interesting because it says here, leave your native country. So God says to Abraham, Mark says the social factors around us are to blame for our problems. God says to Abraham, Abraham, I want you to leave the country that you live in. And there's this other guy called Spinoza, who he... the system of belief that he came up with is called genetic determinism, where everything that we, is wrong with this is to blame on our genes. And, and God says to Abraham, I want you to leave your relatives. So he says, all that you could blame on your genetic disposition, predisposition, I want you to leave all that as well. And then the last guy is called Freud, you might have heard of him, and he talks a lot about the trauma of childhood and in particular your relationship with your father. But God says to Abraham, I want you to leave your father's family. 
And so what actually is happening here is that everything that Abraham could blame everything upon, God's giving him the choice to actually walk up out of. And he gives us the same choice today, that we could blame stuff on our parents, we could blame stuff on our genetic predisposition, we could blame stuff on the culture that we live in, but God's saying, no, I'm calling you to come and follow me, will you get up and you walk up out of that? Would anyone want to say amen to that this morning? Amen, I'm with you. And sometimes we feel completely helpless, sometimes we feel like, "What, what am I supposed to do, how am I supposed to do that? And that's where that trust in God comes in as well, because Abraham didn't even know where he was going, and he had to get up and leave the land and trust that God would take him where he needed to be. This really cool phrase with the next slide called lech, lech. I just like to get my Hebrew on every now and then. Lech, lech. And uh, so you can um, say that to the person next to you in a few months. Okay, not yet. It's still dangerous. Okay, and so they go. And what happens is they, they build, uh, they, he goes with Lot. Um, now, lots of commentators say that because Abraham at this point had no children, that Lot was kind of like his adopted son because Lot's his nephew. So why would um, Abraham, after being told by God, leave all your father's family, why would he bring Lot? It was like, well, Lot's going to be my heir. Lot's going to be the person that I bring along to take with me uh, in this. And so they go, and, and one of the things that they do really, really quickly is build an altar. Build an altar. Immediately worships God. I want to encourage us to just build altars wherever we can. Uh, I, can we just... Um, I think Chrissy's, yep, she's over there, Dan's there, Jay's there, Safe's there. Can we just give our music team a massive hand? Because they've had to lead us into worship in the most difficult of times. They've had to look out at blank stairs and masks all this time until today when we were allowed to sing again. And they've continued to endeavour to lead us into worship even in the midst of that. And we're so grateful for you because even in the midst of today, I was feeling I had a few tumultuous emotions going on. Anyone have tumultuous emotions coming in today? Oh, the three of us. Excellent. Okay. And uh, three honest people in the room. And as I, I was thinking about the week, I was thinking about choices that people might be making I was thinking about different things, but praise began to take over and began to say, God, you've got it, began to take over. And all of a sudden, yes, praise somebody, praise God, because he's got this and he's going to, he's going to um, take it. Now, he starts there, but then this tragedy happens because they, there's a famine where Abraham's gone to. So already imagine the difficulty that he's facing. He's followed God's command, but immediately strikes a famine. So heads into Egypt, because we're not without testing just because we're following God and being obedient to him. So heads into Egypt. And, uh, and I'm just going to really quickly read this in my fastest um, rap voice because I'm running out of time. So at that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing, forcing Abraham to go down to Egypt where he lived as a foreigner. As he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abraham said to his wife, Sarai, look, you're a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, let's kill him so then we can have her. So please tell them you're my sister, then they'll spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. And sure enough, when Abram arrived in Egypt, everyone noticed Sarai's beauty. When the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to Pharaoh their king, and Sarai was taken into his palace. Then Pharaoh gave Abram many gifts because of her sheep, goats, cattle, male and female, donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. But the Lord sent a terrible plague upon Pharaoh and his household because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh summoned Abram and accused him sharply, what have you done to me? He demanded, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? And allow me to take her as my wife. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and get out of here. Pharaoh ordered some of his men to escort them and he sent Abram out of the country along with his wife and all his possessions. So I, I just highlight that because this is a, this is a, um, a, a precedent. <laughs> That's the word. A precedent that is going to happen where Abram takes matters into his own hands. Abram is going to take matters into his own hands and try and figure out a solution 
And, and Sarah will agree, or Sarah will suggest it, and Abram will, will agree. And rather than trusting God that God's got this, they'll take matters into their own hands. Now, this to me is a tragedy, particularly because I'm a woman, and I look back at this ancient world and see a woman without agency whatsoever, unable to make her own choices, and, and being taken as Pharaoh's wife, like that devastates me. Um, but that's, that's the ancient world, that's where they lived, and that's actually the common world for a lot of people today, so let's always remember the privilege that we live in. Uh, so... Um, that's what happens and, and then they come out again. And then in chapter 13, Abram and Lot separate and what happens here is that the herdsmen um, begin to bicker with each other and, and we kind of, you know, we gloss over it in our um, modern understanding of it but Abram says, well, you take whatever land you like and Lot chooses all the best land, all the most fertile land, all the excellent land with all the wicked and sinful people. So Lot chooses the material over the spiritual importance of raising his household and in weeks to come we'll see the conclusion of that. Um, but, but you've got to see Abram kind of learning his lesson here. He's saying, well, I'll trust God, Lot. You just take whatever you want and I know that God will take care of me. And I just want to encourage us this morning that God will take care of us and if people are coming against us or people are bickering with us and we need to release stuff to them, let's continue to trust that God will have us regardless. Uh, so Lot goes and, um, and, you know, and as we mentioned before, if, if that was who was meant to be one of his, or Abram's heir, he's now gone and he's left heirless again. And, um, and so then Lot gets kidnapped it's a really cool story in chapter 14. We don't really have time to go into it. You can read it at home. Chapter 14, Abram goes in with like some prepared men. It's called from amongst them. They go like rescue Lot. Something make a cool movie. Liam Neeson would have to star as Abram. And, um, and so then um, this, this uh, Melchizedek, there's a king and a priest called Melchizedek and Abram tithes to him. I just want to point that out because a lot of people say, well, tithing's in the law. Um, but that's actually pre-law, it's before the law existed and Abram's response was to give a tithe, a tenth of his possessions to this king and priest. So I think that's a great precedent as well. And then finally in chapter 15 with my remaining few minutes uh, is where, I don't know if I talked about it last week, I think I accidentally missed it um, in my, when I was talking about the covenants. I talked about the um, Adamic covenant where God killed a beast to clothe Adam and Eve. I talked about the Noah covenant because that was the one we all struggled with, remember, when he, the bow was going to be pointed at God, the judgment. And then I think I went to the Mosaic covenant and to the Davidic covenant and to the New Covenant but missed out this Abrahamic covenant. And I know you've heard me talk about it before but I just want to mention it in this last few moments because this is pretty amazing. Um, God says to Abram, I'm going to give you descendants. And Abram, having just said goodbye to Lot, gone and rescued him and let him go again, says this in chapter 15, verse 2. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Um, since you've given me no children, Elysia of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. And so that was another thing. If they didn't have a relative that they could bestow their wealth on, and now Lot's gone, then they could give it to a slave in their household and make him their heir. But, but Abram's saying, I don't want that God. And so this is where God takes him out to the stars, says, look up, as many as the stars are, that's how your descendants will be. So he lifts his eyes to the heavens and says, hey, remember, this is on me and look at what I can create, so surely I can create with you as well. And, uh, and then, but Abram, because you remember it's been a little while now, in verse 8 says, but Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? And this is where they have the suzerain vassal treaty, where they cut up some animals and put them either side. 
And the idea is that the stronger of the two parties, I'm sorry, the weaker of the two parties is supposed to walk through and say to the stronger of the two parties, may what has been done to these animals happen to me if I don't stick to our treaty? Well, what happens is, is that Abram's fighting off vultures during the day. But then when the night comes, he falls into a deep sleep and he has a dream. And, and it's a theophany. It's God appearing to Abraham. Um, this torch passing through these cut up animals. And so essentially God is saying, may what has happened to these animals happen to me if I don't keep my covenant, if I don't keep my promise to you. And, and so the cool thing is, is that Abram wakes up and he doesn't question it again. Sarai laughs and, 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 and there's some doubt there, but Abram has this, it's like, it's solid. Once this is done, it is solid. And obviously we know that not only did humanity not keep their covenant with God, but God did bust himself wide open like those animals. God did pour himself out on the cross and God did bear the judgment for us in himself. And so I just want to um, stop there and let you know that also when you look at the stars, we are actually part of Abraham's descendants because what Abraham didn't know is that he would be made into a mighty nation but he was also the father of the faith and that we would form part of his descendants. So when you see the stars at night or watch the or walk along the beach and see the grains of sand on the seashore, then may that remind you that you are actually grafted into this incredible history and that you are chosen by God and one of Abraham's children, that this story is actually your story and that you can claim that as your history because you are part of the family of faith. All right, amen. Well, um, Daz is going to come in a moment and take us forward. Um, but before he does, we're going to play some elevated background music. And uh, you can either sing along to that or um, you can have a discussion among yourselves of what occurred to you from this passage, um, what's a takeaway that you found from this passage, or what's a question. You can discuss that around the table. But if you're a bit shy, you feel free just to grab your phone and scroll and people will assume that you are doing a deep study in the book of Genesis and not that you're on Facebook. Well, good morning, everybody. Hey, uh, I want to do two things. One, I wasn't here on Tuesday, and so I do want to just say thank you. Um, uh, it, it's a date I mean to be here on. It's not a date I want to miss. I was in Sydney, and we, we basically we stuffed up the calendars. It's that simple. And uh, so thank you to everyone who contributes and does what you do. It um, means God can reach people, build his church. And continue to do what he's doing, you know, bend a mere opening and who knows what God's up to next. I know for sure we're not here to build an empire. We are here to expand his kingdom and um, we just want to be faithful to that. Uh, I do want to mention Wayne and I don't want to make him sad. Um, but would be good. I was about to say this is his service, but I think Wayne's in every service. And um, it would be great if you think, oh, what can we do? Um, you could see... Nath, Robbo, and uh, Christian, and let them know that you'd like to prepare some food. That, that, that would be great. And so if you can do that, um, and if you're thinking, oh, someone else is going to do it, they don't need endless food, let's send Wayne home with enough food for the next year. That would be great. And uh, let, we'll watch him explode as he eats cake for the next 12 months. So, um, so that is how you can help. And uh, we thank God that literally Julie's next breath will be waking up in the presence of God for all eternity. Thank God for that. Thank God for the day that, you know, we'd, we'd see you guys. When we would have little chats out the front as you walk by, but Nath Robbo invited them to church and um, has walked with them, him and Christy, ever since. And so we thank God that today 
that her eternity is shifted forever because of what seemed like a chance meeting to them and the love of God's people, but was actually the sovereign work of God across the course of their life to bring that moment together to affect a woman's eternity. Thank God for that. Well, in Genesis, well, in Genesis chapter 12, Abraham is standing in the moment we read earlier um, where God says to him, hey, I want you to pack your stuff up. I want you to go to a place I'm going to show you and just start heading off and I'll show you when we get there. Who knows, that's a big decision. It's, um, it takes some guts. And, 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 but what happens is obviously um, he makes a great decision and there's a lot riding on Abraham's decision in this moment. If, if Abraham had said, no, I'm just going to settle here with my stuff, we never hear from Abraham again. In fact, he probably isn't in the pages of Scripture. But instead, he becomes the father of nations and the father of faith. And here we are down the corridor of time pointing back to Abraham, and he, but he's in this moment. And, and I wanted to just um, park here for a few minutes because I think 2020, when 2020, 2020, when 2021 ticks over and 2022 kicks in, I think we're going to be in a transition of a year, maybe like not since the end of World War II, certainly in my lifetime. You know, as a nation opens up, these masks will all be gone soon. And, and uh, you know, we, we start to look forward. At least that's what we're expecting. Who knows anymore? That's how our world's changed, right? We would have taken that for granted not that long ago. And in the, in the, in the course of that flow period, um, lots of people are making lots of decisions. And, and, and it's the one thing I thank God for lockdown on is that people have given themselves permission to ask big questions, good questions, great questions, even God questions. And I thank God for that. Questions we might not have asked ourselves without the effects of a pandemic that made us sit back and go, is this really how I want to live my life? And so we come to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, and there's a, there's a lesson in it for us as we make decisions moving forward. Because some of you are going to make big decisions in the next little period. You're going to get to the end of the year, New Year's going to kick in and you're going to think about your life moving forward. We know that's the case because of the data globally in the Western world where we have the luxury, the luxury of changing our life and the way it's lived. And so some of you are going to do that over this next period. So I want to get to you before anyone else does. And so Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 4, the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, leave your relatives. Some of you'd be excited. Some of you'd be sad. Leave your father's family. And go to the land I will show you. Leave everything you know. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you'll be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed. And so obviously we get this, what would have been longer than a moment, condensed. But, it, but here's what I want us to see as we come to this. It, it looks easy, doesn't it, on face value? I'm going to make you great, I'm going to make you famous, let's do this. But the reality is that Abraham is comfortable, very, very comfortable. In fact, if you read on, you find that he's incredibly wealthy. And so when you say to Abraham, leave your family, you know, Bella is about to leave, that's no secret to anyone if you know me, I'm in a state of trauma myself. In fact, yesterday we're there and... Bella can either relocate to Sydney after the long weekend because there's a youth camp or before it. 
and she's telling me why it needs to be before it. I'm telling her why it needs to be after it. Her reason trumps mine. And in the end, I said, sweetie, it's just that I want you for an extra day and a half. <laughs> it's hard to leave your family. It's hard to leave your native land sometimes. It's hard to leave. And not only that, he has to leave everything he's established, the, whatever homes he's got and everything he's got. And, and, and this is big. And so he's here. And the, and the bottom line for me in this is this. I remember having this thought some months ago. Abraham's entire life is about to shift in a significant way. He's either going to go God's way or he's going to, which has got obvious fallout for him in terms of all that we've just mentioned, or he's going to settle for lifestyle here and it's going to have fallout in ways we can't yet perceive. And, and Abraham makes a decision that he's not going to settle for the temptation of lifestyle. We don't get it. But we can see it's obvious, family, fortune, everything else. He, he can settle for lifestyle in the place he is or he can step into what God is calling him to step into. And that's his dilemma. He can settle into the lifestyle God has actually blessed him with. So God's given it to him anyway. Or he can step into the life that God is calling him to. And as I was preparing this moment, I felt uh, this message, I felt quite stirred in my spirit. There's some of you about to go there. I don't often feel like there's a prompting for me to go, Darren, this is really going to be a timely word that speaks to people's moment before they even see it. But I want to let you know that somewhere across this day today, whether it's, well, this is the only service I'm preaching this message in. So um, I reckon that in this service, someone is about to go there. It might be you. But all of us can learn from it in terms of the decisions we're going to make. And so Abraham determines he's going to pursue the life God has called him to and resist the temptation to settle down here. How to pursue what God calls us to when lifestyle is tempting us to settle down in another way. How do we do that? Number one here, really simple, God has spoken. <laughs> God's spoken, end of story, bang, God's spoken. And, you know, in your life and mine, God's word is spoken, right? There's, there's things that we are going to make decisions on over how our life looks moving forward. And for the first thing for me is, well, what's God spoken already? What's he spoken by his word? And what's he prompting by his spirit? Put those two things together and that's going to determine the decision we make next on where we live, whatever we're going to do. Abraham has a lot to lose by this stage, like I said. But he doesn't go there. He doesn't, he doesn't even factor it in as far as we can see. He's just like, the, the only thing that matters is God has spoken. God's spoken to Abraham by his word, by his spirit, however you want to put it, he's spoken to him. Then that's enough for Abraham. Here's a challenge with lifestyle. I'll explain it to you. I, I, this last year, I've been asked more times than I can count, am I moving to Port Macquarie? The short answer, the very emphatic answer, is no. And, uh, you know, the, the reason is, from the age of 21, I think Brian, oh, well, I didn't know Brian at 21, um, but from the age of being 21, I've made decisions in light of what has God called me to. It would be crazy, and it would be a tragedy, to at the age of 50 now make a lifestyle-based decision, which I can actually justify. I can justify it. Port has a great group of people. Uh, we know that data-wise, because I oversee that data, that of all regional communities in New South Wales, Port is the most underrepresented by our denomination. 
It's the only one like it in the state. So I know the data. We've got the people. Literally this week, I had someone ring me and say, Darren, I'll give you, I'll give you three days a week salary. And I said, oh, could you underwrite the fit out? And they went, yes. And, and we know. We know there's a need there. I could come here every Tuesday. I could rotate with Bron. We could zoom in. Uh, we could run it Sunday afternoon so no one even feels like I'm gone. I could be here and I could be in Armidale and wherever. I, I, could, I could reconcile. But the bottom line is, it would be scary if God spoke to me this afternoon, right? But the bottom line is, the bottom line is it would be a lifestyle choice and that would be a tragedy because we want to make decisions based on what God called me to. And I raise this because I was sitting with a friend of mine who's a pastor and he just spent seven years living in Japan. He came back to Australia in 2020. And he said, the biggest thing I've noticed about Australia and Australian Christians in general, he said, culture has shifted that everybody makes decisions now around their lifestyle and what's best for them. He said, that's the shift I see in the last seven years. And so Abraham has got this opportunity to settle into a lifestyle that God has actually created that's extremely blessed or to step into what God has called him to and he comes up with the right decision. And you and I, if we're coming out of a pandemic and things are opening up, we do have the opportunity to step in and set up a lifestyle that just suits our rhythm preferences and everything else or to front load that before we even get to any break, if you have a break at Christmas, and go, I just want to determine now God's word is what counts. God's spoken word is going to set the tone and God's spirit promptings are going to set the tone of my life. What has God spoken and what is God speaking? That's number one. Number two, Abraham could have deluded himself into a negotiated settlement. He could have said, you know what, I'm going to do day trips into the promised land. Actually, I tell you what, I've got so many people working for me. I'll plant myself here and I'll send people to set up. Or he could have gone, the weather's good in the promised land from June to August. Each year I'm going to take a 12-week trip into the promised land and kind of do some work, but then I'm going to come back home where I'm kind of set up. He could have negotiated the terms, or he actually couldn't, but he could have, in his own mind, deluded himself. But he doesn't. Abraham says yes to God without all the answers and begins to take steps towards it. Abraham refuses to have yesterday's plan and provision get in the way of today's purpose and tomorrow's promise so you know in our lives let's let's be that number three i'm just up for wherever god is leading and whatever god is up to always want to keep that spirit don't you i just want to keep that spirit at the core of my life god what are you doing where are you leading that's what i'm up for what have you revealed by your word god that's what i'm up for because that really sets up um, our life as i try and land this and wrap this Abraham never lets lifestyle determine his settings. Now, of course, within the settings of the call of God, he carves out a lifestyle. I think God's all for that. That's why he demonstrated Sabbath for us. God's all for creating a rhythm that's sustainable and a life that's enjoyable within the framework of what he's called to, but lifestyle should never trump um, what he's called us to. This summer, when you are making decisions 
about the next step for you and what is in the future. May we not be driven by a lifestyle at the expense of what God calls us to, but may we be like Abraham. May we be like Abraham and go, you know what, I'm just going God's way. He's got a blessing and favour of his business. Let me focus on what he's called me to and step into that. Yes, carve out a lifestyle that works within it and absolutely live life in all of its blessing. But let's be those who determine right here, I will not settle for a lifestyle God hasn't called me to when there is something to go after, something that he has called me to and something that I'm going to live for. Abraham never lets that have a place. The other thing he doesn't, he doesn't let the devil determine his settings. And I just want to, I never talk about the devil. You cannot tell me the last time I talked about the devil in church, but I want to spend a moment here because I feel like there's a time when he would come at us. And, and if you can hear discontent in you, if you can hear I've done my bit in you, if you can hear I've done this season in you, if you sense that you're not appreciated, you're just going to take a season. Can I say about anything I've seen, when people just take a season, as a season for lifestyle over what God has called them to, I have personally, it's my personal observation, I'm not saying it's 100% true, I've never seen anybody come back the same way. I haven't, because the heart thing, so don't, don't give the devil a foothold. Don't give him a leverage point. Let's not give him a way in. Let's, let's continue to go forward. And let's, before we leave this building today, lock the next season in now. Just lock it in. God, I'm going your way. Just lock it in. Abraham locks in without any other detail. You can lock in today. God, whatever's coming my way, I'm locked in. I'm going for it. That's it. I'm, I'm just going your way. Lock it in right now. And then we can forget about the rest. The moments come. The word of God comes. And we just move forward like Abraham into our God appointed next. 2022, here we come. What a place to live. I will regret if I settle for lifestyle. I know I will. But I'm sure, I'm certain that, that I would sit there and go, oh, I wonder what could have been. And I'm determined, and I hope you are too. I am not going to get to the end and wonder what could have been with God. It might not be what I expected or even what I wanted, though it probably could be. But what I want to know is that I got to the end and gone, man, I had everything in the game. I had everything on the table. What God had called me to was what I went after, and I want you to do the same. So make the decision now. Lock in the next season now. And as it comes to you, let's just move into it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Hey again. Thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.